to you out there? Dick, I won't ask you because you're a traffic guy. Okay. Uh, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity today to be part of this discussion on the life of a bridge. Uh, it's a well-known fact that the nation's bridges are deteriorating at a rapid rate, and uh, bridge inspection was once again thrust into the national spotlight last year in the wake of the I-35 collapse, and it remains a focus area for the engineering community, uh, state departments of transportation, and uh, legislatures as well. Uh, bridge inspections comprise the regular checkups that happen throughout a bridge's service life. Just like we as people need to go to the doctor on a regular basis, bridges need to have their annual physicals as well. My plan today is to give you a, a broad overview of the bridge inspection process, um, talk a little bit about the purpose of bridge inspection, why we inspect bridges, and what in general we're looking for, uh, touch a little bit on the national bridge inspection standards, which are the federal regulations that pertain to bridge inspection, um, I'll discuss some of the access techniques, techniques and methods that are commonly used to collect data by bridge inspectors. Um, bridge management systems, which are the computerized systems that are used to archive, store, and uh, put to good use all the large quantities of data that are collected during the inspection process. Um, I'd also like to outline some facts about structure health monitoring. Um, structure health monitoring is used as a supplement to the visual inspection process. You go out and you instrument a bridge and with sensors and data acquisition hardware so you can get quantitative data uh, that's kind of different than the qualitative data that you get from the NBIS bridge inspection process. And I'll close today by discussing a recent project that we did for the Florida Department of Transportation that highlights some of the challenges that are faced by inspection crews as they inspect larger and more complex structures. Uh, we inspect bridges for three primary reasons. Uh, first, to determine if any immediate hazards exist that would warrant reducing allowable loads on a structure or closing it entirely. Uh, as depicted in these photos, often the long-term effects of deterioration and distress have reached a point that we need to reduce the load capacity on the structure. Um, inspectors in the field observing these conditions would, would record what they are, and then they can go back in the office and do a load rating analysis that reflects actual conditions. Um, another reason for inspecting a bridge is to document the general existing conditions affecting the structure. Uh, the goal here is to identify and address issues before they become major problems and monitor these defects as they progress over time. Um, items such as fatigue cracking or scour or deterioration of the deck may not have progressed to the point that it's reduced the structural capacity of the bridge. We want to monitor this progression over time so we can program effective repairs and also determine the condition ratings which then help determine whether a bridge is structurally deficient or functionally obsolete and I'm sure in the news over the past year you've heard those terms used quite a bit. Uh, what they are functionally obsolete generally means that a bridge is no longer meets current design standards for the traffic loads that that are on the bridge whereas structurally deficient means that certain members of the bridge are in poor or worse capacity um, and it should be noted that just because a bridge is, is termed structurally deficient, that doesn't necessarily mean that the bridge is unsafe. It's, it's kind of a numerical rating. Uh, the third and final reason we inspect bridges is we want to be able to effectively program bridge maintenance and bridge replacement efforts. Uh, by detecting deficiencies early and addressing those, uh, transportation officials and engineers can make uh, more informed decisions. This helps protect the public's investment in the highway system 
and allows uh, program managers to make the most efficient use of their limited budgets. A little bit now about the National Bridge Inspection Standards. Uh, these were the result of the Silver Bridge collapse in 1967 that killed 46 in West Virginia. Uh, the NBIS provides the overall framework for the federally mandated bridge inspection process that takes place in the United States each year. Um, over the years, the NBIS has been modified a number of times um, in response to bridge failures. Each time a catastrophic failure occurs, inspection methods are re-examined, research is conducted in order to determine what needs to be done to minimize the likelihood of, of future failures occurring. A good example is the failure of the Mianus River Bridge in Connecticut in 1983. The, the failure of this bridge uh, led to the development of guidelines related to fracture critical bridges. Uh, recently, a bill was introduced in the wake of the I-35 collapse in Minnesota uh, by Representative Oberstar from Minnesota called the National Bridge Highway Reconstruction and Inspection Act. And this, this act, if passed, would authorize an additional $1 billion uh, for fiscal year 2009 uh, for the Federal Highway Administration's bridge program. And this bill would require the FHWA to assign a risk-based priority for replacing and rehabilitating all struct structurally deficient and functionally obsolete bridges on federal highways. Uh, this priority rating would be based on a number of factors, including safety, serviceability, and on the impact on regional and national freight and passenger mobility. Uh, it also requires the state to establish a five-year performance plan for inspecting highway bridges and replacing uh, and rehabilitating bridges that are deemed structurally deficient. It also has a, a section that discusses load ratings, and uh, it would like states to uh, perform those load ratings every two years. Um, the bill also proposes changes to the national uh, bridge inspection standards, uh, sets some more stringent criteria for inspectors, uh, right now in the United States, some inspectors, the team leaders, don't have to be a PE. Uh, this bill proposes to make those uh, standards a little more stringent and require more PEs out on the bridge inspection process. And the, uh, the bill also creates a $5 million grant program uh, to evaluate the effectiveness, accuracy, and reliability of advanced um, structural health monitoring techniques. And to date, this bill has only been passed by the House. Um, just some general facts about the NBIS. It applies to all bridges and culverts over than 20 feet on public roads. And some states, like Ohio, apply this standard down to bridges greater than 10 feet. Um, the guidelines included in the NBIS include uh, such items as how programs should be established at the state transportation level, uh, qualifications and training of inspectors, uh, frequency of inspections, fracture critical underwater inspections, uh, quality control and quality assurance procedures, and uh, reporting procedures. I'd like to touch now um, a little bit on the actual methods and techniques that inspectors use while in the field to access bridges. Um, inspectors need to get within arm's length of critical components to see the deterioration that's taking place. Um, often this will require the use of mechanical access equipment and traffic control, uh, bucket trucks, man lifts, and underbridge inspection vehicles are all utilized by inspection crews to safely position themselves close to superstructure members and uh, get where they need to go. Um, inspectors need to be comfortable working at height, obviously, uh, comfortable working over water and operating mechanical access equipment. If somebody is uh, a little nervous because of the situation they're in, they're probably not paying attention as close to their inspection as they need to be. Um, and fall protection and fall protection training is all part of using this equipment.
Another popular method is uh, industrial rope access and climbing. Um, this is used a lot, utilized on larger bridges to achieve hands-on access of bridge members. Um, it greatly minimizes the traffic control requirements, and it also allows you to get to areas of the structure that you couldn't reach with mechanical access equipment. Um, engineers can work more independently in this method. They're not all tied together in one bucket, and uh, it, allows, it allows them to work independently. Uh, and the project example that I'll highlight at the end of my presentation uh, highlights some of the benefits of this method on larger structures. Um, some types of climbing that are shown here. In belay climbing, there's a, kind of an anchor man, and he feeds the rope out, just like you see in traditional rock climbing um, on TV or in the movies. And the inspector will set anchors as he goes out on the bridge, and the rope acts as a safety device. It's dynamic rope is used, so any fall is absorbed by the, the, by the rope itself. Um, rappelling is a means of sliding down a rope, and ascending is a means of ascending, climbing up the rope, and those are used on bridge towers, piers, um, and cables. And for trusses, inspectors use uh, nylon lanyards to tie off around the member as they climb around the bridge. Certainly these types of inspectors need to be in excellent physical shape. Touch on a few uh, non-destructive and destructive testing techniques now that are commonly used in inspection. Uh, the primary non-destructive techniques used during the inspection of steel bridges would be magnetic particle, dye penetrant, and ultrasonics. Uh, these are relatively low cost and proven protocols have been developed for their use and the interpretation of results. So most bridge inspection groups have this type of equipment that they can use. Uh, for concrete bridge decks, very simple procedures like dragging a chain across the bridge deck and give you a good indication of hidden deficiencies. Um, this test method has a modern counterpart, ground penetrating radar, uh, that is a little more objective. It can be done with repeatability and uh, more people are starting to use ground penetrating radar as a means of detecting these hidden deficiencies. Um, engineers can assess the electrical potential within the reinforcing steel in a bridge to assess the rates of corrosion in the bridge. Uh, testing such as impact echo can be used to locate voids and post-tensioning ducts. Um, post-tensioning ducts are very difficult bridges. Post-tensioning bridges are very difficult bridges to inspect. Uh, some of the primary structural elements are hidden away, so um, I think there's, in terms of good opportunities for consultants to come up with things to do and vendors come up with good things to do, I think uh, when somebody comes up with the brilliant way of figuring out what's going inside a post-tensioning duct, uh, we'll all line up to buy that, I think. So, Bridge management systems. The bridge inspection process generates a tremendous amount of data. Um, computerized systems have been developed to store and archive this data. Uh, the most commonly used system is Ponus. Uh, there are also numerous, numerous vendor-developed software packages um, and homegrown systems as well, and these are frequently done in applications such as Microsoft Access, which most people have, and we find these a lot at the local agency level. Local, local agencies like to use these because they usually have people within their staff and organization that can rate the programs and customize them for what they, uh, what they need it to do. Uh, one of the negative aspects of NBI's bridge inspection is that you're recording information at a single point in time and comparing that with, with past information that has been recorded at a single point in time. Uh, these are snapshots of bridge conditions. Uh, this is generally okay for lower risk structures. If you have structurally deficient or more complex structures that pose a greater risk to the traveling public, you want to get a little more. 
uh, structural health monitoring complements traditional inspection techniques, and its aim is to provide more reliable quantitative data on a continual basis on the actual conditions of the structure. Uh, it involves the installation of various sensors and monitors on the bridge components uh, that allow for remote data collection at any time. Um, these can include strain gauge systems, weigh in motion systems, fiber optics, cameras, corrosion sensors, acoustic emission systems. All these can be tied back to data servers and accessible in real time uh, by engineers. Uh, bridge engineers can be most effective by providing the decision makers and transportation agencies with objective data-driven recommendations. And the structural condition data combined with risk-based factors uh, can help transportation officials make the most efficient use of their limited funding. I've included a couple of slides that show the architecture of one of these systems to give you an idea of what we're talking about. Uh, here, data acquisition systems units are placed at areas of the bridge where you want to monitor components. Uh, these units can wirelessly feed data back to a server and out onto the internet for retrieval and viewing remotely by engineers. Uh, at each one of these data nodes, uh, various sensors, gauges, and monitoring equipment are, are feeding the data acquisition units. Uh, video can be captured. You can pair data on environmental conditions with uh, data on uh, structural behavior that you're recording. Uh, corrosion sensors can provide data on the condition of embedded reinforcing steels. And weigh-in-motion systems can also be installed to pair your measured strains with actual uh, truck data. Uh, the data can then all be overlaid on a computer model, the bridge, and then that model can be tweaked so it's performing just like the structure is in the field. Uh, then alarms, you know, some of these systems are set up to generate alarms when certain stress thresholds are, are crossed. There's a lot of potential with this type of monitoring where you can get continual monitoring of structures that uh, will give you a lot more information than just the point-in-time inspections that the NBIS will give you. I'll close today by briefly discussing an inspection project we recently completed for the Florida Department of Transportation. And this project does a good job, I think, of highlighting some of the challenges faced by inspectors uh, during the bridge inspectors. Bridges are most often constructed with form and function in mind and not necessarily ease of inspection. Um, a good case in point is the Dames Point cable stay in Jacksonville, certainly a beautiful bridge. Um, but when it came time to do an arm's length inspection of all the stay cables, that presented a bit of a challenge. Uh, the cables are sheathed in steel tube sections that are welded together, and our inspection uh, would focus on the welds between these sections, as well as the general condition of the cables, the wind damper, and the paint system. Uh, the towers for this bridge are tall, around 470 feet, and unfortunately, uh, they didn't have any elevators in them, so there was a lot of up and down. To, uh, we decided on this bridge that we'd use a combination of industrial rope access equipment, um, mechanical access equipment, and we would custom design a roller system that would fit over the cable and allow our inspectors to climb the cable, climb the towers, uh, get on the tops of the cables, and then roll down to the base of the cables. Uh, Repelling ropes and equipment would be used to control the descent of the inspectors as they move down the cable. Uh, following an initial site visit, we developed some prototypes for further testing. Um, we made another site visit and kind of tweaked our designs a little bit and, and picked one that we felt worked the best, and then we kind of mass-produced it um, and made multiple copies. Uh, during our field work, we used the cable rollers to inspect the upper 200 vertical feet of the cables, and we used mechanical access equipment to do the lower 100 feet 
that proved to be most efficient. Um, the longest cables were, I think, almost 700 feet in length, and we didn't have ropes that long, so we did the lower portion with, uh, with man lifts. We also did interior areas on the tower with uh, confined space entry techniques and repelled the uh, exterior concrete surfaces of the towers while on rope and used magnetic particle testing to uh, test suspected defect areas. Just a couple of final shots there. Um, we inspected 168 cables over a period of three weeks with a crew of five engineers um, successfully. And uh, that brings me to the end of my discussion on bridge inspection today. So if there are any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. Malcolm? Okay, questions for Mark. All right, there's one. Yes, sir. 